Hello and welcome to the Trump Scorecard. I'm your host, Jesse Burney, and this week, like every week, I'm going to bring you the worst and weirdest the Donald Trump presidency has to offer. I do it because this is not normal, and this was one heck of a not normal week, so we are going to get right into it. You know, there's a good example of how tough it is and how big of a task it is to keep up with everything terrible this administration is doing. Uh, Last week, when I was recording last week's podcast, a huge story broke. So when I launched the podcast on Friday, I was already behind, and that's pretty much how it always works. Usually by the end of the day Friday, the day that this launches, I already have a few stories uh, marked down to go for next week's podcast. And this one was a really, really big, right? It represented everything wrong with this administration. Corruption, lawlessness, influence from the Russians. You could write like a solid movie about political corruption with this as the central plot point. So I'm going to read the story. It's from CNN on February 24th. The FBI rejected a recent White House request to publicly knock down media reports about communications between Donald Trump's associates and Russians known to U.S. intelligence during the 2016 presidential campaign, multiple officials briefed on the matter tell CNN. But a White House official said late Thursday that the request was only made after the FBI indicated to the White House that it did not believe the reporting to be accurate. So, the White House says... The FBI told them these stories about uh, uh, Trump associates and Russians weren't true, that these investigations weren't finding what they were finding, which is not terribly credible. Um, And not only do I not trust the White House on this, but there's a number of ways that what the White House says could be wrong. Uh, The administration could be straight up lying about what the FBI said. I don't think that's ever impossible with this crew. Or... The FBI could have said the story got some, you know, trivial detail wrong, and the White House decided to sell that as though the whole story was wrong. Look, either way, whether it's right or wrong, you do not go to the FBI and tell the FBI to sell your story for you. That is Ethics 101. And, you know, we should be thankful that the FBI did not agree to do the White House's bidding on this. But anyone, anyone in the White House who asked the FBI to publicly disavow this story should not be working in the White House anymore. And if that includes the president, then it includes the president. You know, he's certainly not the only administration official implicated in this. For example, and another good reason that it's hard to stay on top of the news, there is a decent chance that by the time you listen to this podcast, the Attorney General of the United States will have resigned. You know that he's the the one in charge of enforcing the laws? He lied to Congress under oath in his confirmation hearings about meeting with Russian officials. This is from the Washington Post on March 1st. At his January 10th Judiciary Committee confirmation hearing, Sessions was asked by Senator Al Franken, a Minnesota Democrat, what he would do if he learned of any evidence that anyone affiliated with the Trump campaign communicated with the Russian government in the course of the 2016 campaign. I'm not aware of any of those activities, he responded. He added, I've been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I did not have communications with the Russians. Oh, but he did. From the same story, 
then-Senator Jeff Sessions, spoke twice last year with Russia's ambassador to the United States. Justice Department officials said encounters he did not disclose when asked about possible contacts between members of President Trump's campaign and representatives of Moscow during Sessions' confirmation hearing to become attorney general. That's called lying under oath. Do you remember when Mitch McConnell shut down Elizabeth Warren for reading a letter from Coretta Scott King urging the Senate not to confirm Sessions for a judgeship back in 1986? I don't know. Just it seems really relevant here for some reason. I guess what I'm trying to say, in case it's not clear, is that Jeff Sessions is a giant piece of crap. He lied under oath, and he's the attorney general. You know, someone once said something pretty strong about public officials who lie under oath, and I'd like you to, to have a listen to what this person had to say. As a former federal prosecutor for 12 years, attorney general for two years, I know and believe very deeply in the rule of law and the fact that honest and testimony is required if we're to have justice in America. I am concerned about uh, a president under oath uh, being alleged to have committed perjury. I hope that he can rebut that and prove that did not happen. I hope he can show he did not commit obstruction of justice and that he can complete his term. But there are serious allegations that that occurred. And in America, and Supreme Court and the American people believe no one is above the law. That, of course, is then-Senator Jeffrey Beauregard Sessions III in 1999 during the Monica Lewinsky scandal. Look, he recused himself today from further investigations into ties between Russia and the Trump campaign, but let's be honest, that is not nearly, not nearly good enough. He needs to resign. And a couple of hundred of people gathered in front of the Department of Justice Thursday afternoon to call on him to resign. He lied under oath! He lied under oath! He lied! He won't step down! Fire sessions if he won't step down! I went to the protest, and while I was there, I spoke briefly with Congressman Dwight Evans. He represents the 2nd District in Pennsylvania, and he's a member of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. Tell me why you think Sessions should step down. First, he lied to the United States Senate in his testimony. He's very clear about that he didn't tell the truth. Secondly, in terms of, I don't think he believes in justice in terms of enforcing the Constitution. Lying is against the law. You cannot lie. And I think that sends the wrong message to everybody who comes before the Justice Department. And what do you think Congress's next step should be? I think Congress, I think you hear, obviously, the Speaker is talking about recuse. We're talking about resign. There's a huge difference there. And the fact of the matter is, I think the Speaker is recognizing that at the end of the day, that Jeff Sessions must go, but he's trying to be polite. He's sort of trying to be politically correct. And even if Sessions does step down, what actions do you think? What do you think needs to happen next? Well, I think we got to find somebody who's willing to stand up and send a message about integrity and in government, and clearly it's not. You heard President Trump talk about drain the swamp. Clearly, this is not draining the swamp. And you think there needs to be a, a deeper investigation into the... No, no. Well, Russia? first and foremost, I, I support the idea of an independent investigation. That needs to happen. I stood up with that, and we need to send that message. We cannot have our democracy be taken away from us. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much. Look, I'll be honest. At this point, you know, an independent investigation out of Congress is not enough. It is time for a special prosecutor. 
because it is pretty clear that when it comes to Russia, this White House is hiding something. Maybe even a lot of somethings. Let's talk about some good ways to start a war, because that's always a fun thing to, to talk about, right? Okay, so the first thing you want to do is have a huge military buildup. And uh, coincidentally, Trump has promised to spend $54 billion more next year on the Department of Defense. Uh, next, you could defund the State Department to help pay for that increase, uh, say by 37%, which is how much Trump is proposing cutting the State Department. So that way, all your uh, attempts at diplomacy would be undercut because all the programs funded by the State Department to build goodwill around the world will see cuts. And this will come at a time when anti-American sentiment is growing, you know, and as Trump undermines all the alliances that, that keep us safe. Uh, this seems like kind of poor planning, unless you want to start a big war. Uh, and, and just on a side note, you remember... Do you remember Benghazi? People don't talk about it much anymore. What do you think is going to happen with a 37% cut to the State Department? Is that going to increase security at embassies and consulates? You think if there's another attack, the Republicans will hold hours and hours of hearings and multiple committees on that? But wait, there's more. Because just cutting the State Department budget and giving all that cash to the Department of Defense isn't enough. You still need to create an international incident. So why not let the generals do whatever they want, which is exactly what Donald Trump is doing. Uh, this is from the Daily Beast. And by the way, as always, all the stories that I, I mention in this, in this podcast, uh, links are available to those stories on the website. So please check those out on the website. That is thetrumpscorecard.org. Daily Beast, March 1st. President Donald Trump has signaled that he wants his defense secretary retired Marine General Jim Mattis, to have a freer hand to launch time-sensitive missions quickly, ending what U.S. officials say could be a long approval process under President Barack Obama that critics claimed stalled some missions by hours or days. In other words, President Obama did his job because the president is supposed to review these operations and be the final word. And no, obviously, I don't trust Trump to make good decisions. And I don't think Obama always made good decisions when it came to these sort of things. But letting the military conduct whatever missions it wants with no check from the civilian leadership sets an incredibly dangerous precedent. And let's be honest about what this is. It is Donald Trump passing the buck. Just listen to how he talks about his recent botched raid in Yemen. Mr. President, you mentioned John McCain mentioning uh, that uh, young man who died, the Navy SEAL who yes. died in that mission. Uh, his father has said that he didn't want to talk to you. Your reaction to that? Well, this was a mission that was started before I got here. This was something that was, uh, you know, just they wanted to do. Uh, they came to see me. They explained what they wanted to do. The generals, who are very respected. My generals are the most respected that we've had in many decades, I, would, I believe. Uh, and they lost Ryan. And I was at the airport when the casket came in, the body came in, and it was a very sad with the family, and it's a great family, incredible wife and children. I met most of the family. 
And I can understand people saying that. I'd feel, you know, I'd, I'd feel, what's worse? There's nothing worse. There's nothing worse. But again, this was something that they were looking at for a long time doing. And according to General Mattis, it was a very successful mission. They got tremendous amounts of information. It was brought to me. It started under Obama. The generals recommended it. They lost Ryan. He doesn't want responsibility when things go wrong. So he's handing over his decision-making power to the generals so he can wash his hands of his own military strategy. And you know, that's also kind of what conservatives like to call a real cuck move. On February 24th, Donald Trump signed an executive order basically saying regulations are bad. He loves signing executive orders that say regulations are bad. Uh, And here's something he said at the signing ceremony. Every regulation should have to pass a simple test. Does it make life better or safer for American workers or consumers? If the answer is no, we will be getting rid of it and getting rid of it quickly. That is actually uh, pretty reasonable. Like regulations should make life better or safer for workers or consumers. Like I agree. I'm going to say it. I agree 100% with what Donald Trump said. The only problem is Donald Trump doesn't agree with what Donald Trump said. And you can tell this by looking at the regulations he's actually targeting. There are two really good examples this week. Uh, First examples from the New York Times on February 28th. President Trump is expected to sign an executive order on Tuesday aimed at rolling back one of former President Barack Obama's major environmental regulations to protect American waterways. But it will have almost no legal effect, immediate legal effect, according to two people familiar with the White House plans. So it won't have an immediate effect, but it will put in process a plan to dismantle regulations that protect our waterways. And this isn't the first thing Trump has signed with the goal of making our water dirtier. He's already signed a bill that allows coal companies to go back to dumping coal sludge in the water. Does it sound like adding pollution to our waterways makes us more safe? Does that pass Trump's own test? There's a second example from uh, NPR also on February 28th. President Trump signed a measure into law Tuesday that rescinds an Obama-era rule aimed at blocking gun sales to certain mentally ill people. What the Obama-era rule did was require certain people who were deemed unfit to handle their own finances to be added to the list uh, that was checked for background checks so they couldn't purchase guns. But the National Rifle Association was pissed because, you know, just because you can't sign a check doesn't mean you shouldn't own a gun. Except, of course it does. So again, does it pass Trump's own test? Does it make us more or less safe that people who are deemed unfit to manage their own finances are allowed to own guns? And look, let me add something here that's really important. There is way too much stigma against mental illness, and the vast, vast number of people with mental illnesses are not violent. I take medication for depression and anxiety that I got prescribed when Donald Trump was elected president, just by the way. And, you know, in a sense, these rules and rules like these add to that stigma, but there are illnesses severe enough that you shouldn't make it easier for someone to to harm themselves or others. Uh, And having your right to control your own finances taken away seems like a pretty good test, you know, as long as you have a right to appeal. But, you know, people like Adam Lanza, who did the Sandy Hook shooting, should not have access to guns. 
Trump has made it very clear how he feels about regulations. And when he cuts them, it's not to keep people safe. It's to help the rich get richer. That's his real test. You know what's good? Voting. Especially if you're voting to stop a giant orange man baby from becoming president. And I really wish a few more people had done that. Anyway, you know what's not good? Stopping people from voting. Uh, Which is exactly what Texas tried to do about six years ago when they passed one of the strictest voter ID laws in the nation. Uh, A federal judge said that it was like clearly intended to discriminate against African-American and Latino voters, ruled it, uh, and I quote, has a discriminatory effect on minority voting, minorities voting rights in violation of Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act. As that law has, has made its way through the courts, the Department of Justice's Civil Rights Division has been on the side of civil rights, because that's what the Civil Rights Division is for. It's been fighting against that law. But now... Jeff Sessions is the Attorney General, unless he isn't by the time you you listen to this podcast. But Jeff Sessions is the Attorney General, as I record this, and he switched sides in that case and is now on Texas's side. This is from Talking Point's memo uh, on February 28th. The reversal on the eve of a key hearing in the case is a clear sign of the Department of Justice's direction under Attorney General Jeff Sessions, a longtime advocate of voter ID laws and other voting restrictions. This isn't just about this one law in Texas. It's about laws like this all over the country, not just voter ID, but cutting early voting, uh, closing down polling places. And the Department of Justice, the Attorney General, and the President of the United States are sending a powerful message. We don't want you to vote. We're going to make it as hard as we possibly can. And don't forget, every time they use voter fraud to justify these laws, they are lying. And they know they are lying. This is about keeping people they think are more likely to vote for Democrats home on Election Day. And it works. That's why they do it. They do it because it works. Stopping people from voting is just about the most un-American thing you can do. Time once again for Quick Hits. Quick Quick Hits. Uh, We talked earlier about Donald Trump using regulation to turn our environment into basically a giant pile of sludge. But it's more than just taking away the regulations that keep our air and water clean. Uh, You can also... Take away the people whose job it is to, say, keep your children from being poisoned. Uh, This is from the Huffington Post on March 1st. The White House wants to cut one quarter of the Environmental Protection Agency's funding and eliminate one in five EPA employees, three sources with knowledge of the proposed budget, told the Huffington Post. One in five employees at the EPA gone. Remember what happened in Flint? I'm sorry. Remember what's still happening in Flint? Ask yourself, do we need fewer people working to protect the environment or more? We've talked a lot about Jeff Sessions uh, in this podcast already, but, you know, it's kind of like Jell-O. There's always more room for talking about how Jeff Sessions is terrible. Uh, This is the New York Times on February 28th. 
Attorney General Jeff Sessions indicated on Tuesday that the federal government would back away from monitoring troubled police departments, which was the central strategy of the Obama administration to force accountability onto local law enforcement amid rising racial tensions. Look, no matter what you think of the Black Lives Matter movement, there's no doubt that there has been a problem between some police forces and the communities that they are supposed to protect. And those Department of Justice investigations play a crucial role in repairing those relationships. These are really important, and uh, Jeff Sessions is just going to shut them down unless he resigns, which he may already have done. You know who else is terrible? Betsy DeVos. Uh, If you watched her confirmation hearings, you know that one of the ways she's terrible is that she's not super smart. You don't have to be super smart to become a cabinet secretary if you were born into a whole lot of money. Uh, So here's a good example uh, from BuzzFeed uh, on February 28th. Education Secretary Betsy DeVos released a statement Monday calling historically black colleges real pioneers when it comes to school choice setting off a firestorm of criticism from HBCU leaders and graduates at a time when the Trump administration is attempting to make overtures to the colleges. They saw that the system wasn't working, that there was an absence of opportunity, so they took it upon themselves to provide the solution, DeVos said of the colleges, which were founded because black students were barred for decades from attending white colleges, including public universities. HBCUs were not a pioneer in school choice. They were a response to racism that meant black people had no access to higher education. They weren't school choice. They were school necessity. And to compare it to DeVos's pet project to dismantle public schools and teachers unions is incredibly insulting. Hey, you know who else is terrible? Uh, Trump's chairman of the Federal Communications Commission, Ajit Pai. Uh, We actually talked about him back in episode three, uh, but he's not done yet. Uh, This is from The Verge on February 27th. FCC chairman Ajit Pai said today that he doesn't expect the commission to review AT&T's purchase of Time Warner, clearing the way for the Justice Department to very likely approve the deal. It goes on. Had Pai chosen to review the merger, it would have faced much tougher scrutiny than it will at the Justice Department. The FCC has to determine that a merger is truly in the public interest for it to go through. And there's a lot of good reason to think combining a major internet and cable provider and a major TV and movie producer is a recipe for anti-competitive behavior. Trump himself, during the campaign, said his administration would not approve this very merger. Trump said a lot of things during the campaign, didn't he? He said he would drain the swamp. And he said he would look out for ordinary Americans. But look at who's in his cabinet. Look at who's running places like the FCC. They're looking out for someone, but it's not you. Unless you're a billionaire. Uh, In which case, uh, can I interest you in a sponsorship of this very fine podcast? Uh, Please email me or DM me on Twitter and... That includes you, Betsy DeVos. Uh, I will stop saying not nice things about you. Uh, I will sell out. I don't care. So Trump gave a big speech this week, uh, his first to the joint session of Congress, and 
The media praised it as a huge success because he read some not very good words off a teleprompter. Congratulations. Uh, but I want to I wanna play a few lines from the beginning of his speech. Tonight, as we mark the conclusion of our celebration of Black History Month, we are reminded of our nation's path towards civil rights and the work that still remains to be done. Recent threats. Recent threats targeting Jewish community centers and vandalism of Jewish cemeteries, as well as last week's shooting in Kansas City, remind us that while we may be a nation divided on policies, we are a country that stands united in condemning hate and evil in all of its very ugly forms. Uh, just full disclosure, uh, the applause in the middle was, was pretty long. I, I just shortened it for time. Uh, so, you know, that was a nice enough sentiment to, to start a speech out with, even if he got the city where the shooting was wrong. It was actually in Olathe, Kansas, which is about 30 minutes away from, from Kansas City. But honestly, these condemnations, they came way too late. The shooting in Kansas happened on February 23rd. It took days for him to even acknowledge it happened. And similarly, he took days to acknowledge the threats that have emptied out uh, Jewish community centers and daycare centers. It's just not his first instinct to condemn these sorts of hateful acts. And let's be clear, this is not a guy who uh, hesitates before condemning stuff, right? Like He will condemn Saturday Night Live when it insults him the night it airs. He will condemn the press for reporting things he does and says. He condemns parents of dead members of the United States military. He condemns winners of his beauty pageants. He condemns women in general. But look, these condemnations, they're not just too late. They're way too little. It's not enough to say that these threats and this violence is wrong. These things are happening because of him, because of his rhetoric during the campaign, because he called for a wall on the Mexican border, because he called for a ban on Muslims and then put it into effect, because he hired Steve Bannon and you know, delivered so many unsubtle dog whistles to racists and anti-Semites during the campaign. This is on him. And unless he acknowledges that fact and takes responsibility and comes up with a real plan to stop this stuff, which is never, ever, ever going to happen, all the condemnations in the world being exactly bupkis. Especially when he says something like this. This is from BuzzFeed on uh, February 28th. Asked about the recent wave of anti-Semitic attacks and threats across the nation, President Trump on Tuesday told a group of state attorneys general that, quote, sometimes it's the reverse, Pennsylvania Attorney General Josh Shapiro said, of Trump's comments in his and other officials' meetings with the president. He just said sometimes it's the reverse, to make people or to make others look bad. And he used the word reverse, I would say, two to three times in his comments, Shapiro said. He did correctly say at the top it was reprehensible. Yeah, the President of the United States implied that attacks and threats against Jews were false flags, that people would call in threats to daycares, would knock over gravestones in Jewish cemeteries to give a false impression of rising anti-Semitism. He said that. And that is a much stronger message than any condemnation in his speech. 
So I know I usually end the podcast on a lighter note, but this was a, a really rough week, and it feels inappropriate to end on a funny story. And frankly, I read a story this week that is possibly the worst thing Trump has ever done, and I really think we need to talk about it. This is from a waiter at the Trump Hotel, quoted in uh, IGR.com on February 26th. The president ordered a well-done steak, an aged New York strip. He ate it with ketchup, as he always does. Folks, no. Just no. Yeah, I know there were already rumors that Trump enjoyed well-done steaks, but this is honestly morally wrong. We're talking about an aged Newark strip in an expensive restaurant in a fancy hotel, meaning it is probably one of the finest damn cuts of meat you will ever eat. And he has it cooked through until it is brown and dry and disgusting. And then he puts ketchup on it. Ketchup. If that's not an impeachable offense, I don't know what is. All right, that's it for this week. Uh, Please, please reach out to me with tips for stories I should cover, any advice you have for the podcast, ideas to improve it. Uh, You can reach me on email at vtrumpscorecard at gmail.com. You can always find me on Twitter at Jesse Burney. Please like the page on Facebook. That is facebook.com slash the Trump scorecard. Uh, we have some fun bonus content this week, including uh, a video reaction I did to Trump's speech and some photos from the protest I mentioned at the top of the, at the top of the podcast. Also, I would love it if you could go and rate and review the podcast on iTunes. That really does make a, a big difference. I know and believe very deeply in the rule of law. The Trump Scorecard is written, hosted, edited, and produced by me, Jesse Burney. Our music is from bensound.com. I'll be back next week, and remember, this is not normal.